All right, everybody, welcome to the third episode of the Media Buyer's Manual. I am uh, here with Danvir Saria, our email marketing and copywriting uh, expert, and as well as a new co-host added to the team. Uh, we got Adam Scanlon. We work together at Client Magnet uh, in Toronto, and I'm just going to kind of fire it over to Adam just to kind of introduce himself first. What's going on? Thank you. Happy to be here. Um, when, when Kevin uh, messaged me about this podcast, uh, I said I was up for it 100%. Um, like I'm happy to just get on and share knowledge. I always find it, I always find it fun to like talk about my experience as an entrepreneur and, you know, running a business. And especially now when these, um, crazy times that we're in, um, we're in COVID quarantine right now for anybody that's not listening immediately. Uh, but just to give a little background on myself, I have been, um, I'm a, I guess a serial entrepreneur at heart. Um, I've been an entrepreneur for the past maybe eight, eight years, maybe almost, almost even 10 years, almost, almost all my life. Um, kind of just rose my way through digital ads, teaching myself all the way into the point where I now own a, um, digital ad agency, a performance ad agency, uh, based out of Toronto with some, some pretty good customers, me and my uh, business partner, Gord run that and we're also working on a new SaaS product that was just accepted to uh, Next AI Canada. Um, so yeah, I'm just happy to be here and I'm willing to, you know, share my knowledge. Like, like I mentioned before, I'm, I'm just, I love speaking to people about just like things that I've learned or giving tips or advice um, in, in the ad world from, from what I see and from managing so much ad spend. Unreal. And uh, we're happy to have you on. And uh, personally, I'm grateful for everything you've done for me as well. Like we work together. I work under Adam. Um, and yeah, I'm just happy for everything you guys have taught me. And we'll send this over to Danavir. Uh, Danavir, where are you located? Uh, what have you been doing the last five years since we've talked? If anybody doesn't know, my first ever episode of a podcast was actually recorded with Danavir about like 2015. So it's weird to kind of see oh, the circle cool. close. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, what's funny when you said that you were actually the first, that was the first time I ever got interviewed in a podcast. <laughs> so it's first time for both five years ago, but yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking in Miami, Florida and past five years. Um, well, last time we talked, I ran, I was running a, info marketing business, expert business, basically uh, online school called CopyMonk, which was an online educational school for direct response copywriters. Um, yeah, we just, we did the whole, I mean, I did the whole like guru thing, just selling uh, courses, you know, how to make, you know, 100, you know, 300 bucks per email with clients and all that kind of stuff. But you know, that's what copywriters want to know. Um, just teaching, you know, uh, direct response copywriting, like old school, like Gary Halbert, Eugene Schwartz, uh, Kappel's, you know, all those like direct mail, Joe Sugarman infomercial type of stuff. So that's pretty much, uh, and that pretty much kind of sums up my, my background in general. I started out 10 years ago. Um, I just, uh, I, I was just interested in fitness at the time. And I realized that this dude called Craig Valentine, he was, he posted like a blog post or something saying, Hey, like I make seven figures selling these little eBooks. And I was like, I loved fitness at the time. I was like, bro, I can, I can do this stuff. <laughs> I can write and, uh, an eBook. Yeah, exactly. I can make seven figures. This is easy. It was literally just a word doc. So I was like, <laughs> and um, obviously <laughs> it didn't turn out to be that way. Um, I got, 
because of that, but at the same time, Craig said, Hey, if you want to learn digital marketing, which I wanted to, so I could sell the courses, he was like, Hey, uh, do work for free for someone. So what I did was like, I reached out to a street magician, uh, who had a YouTube channel called free magic live. It was like one of the biggest uh, magic channels on YouTube at the time. This was 10 years ago. And mm -hmm. yeah, and I, he also sold courses on how to do street magic and stuff. And that's pretty much how I got uh, started into digital marketing in general, just, you know, doing affiliate deals, launching courses, doing email marketing stuff 10 years ago. And ever since then, it's just been uh, a lot of it, a lot of it in direct response marketing, direct response in general uh, courses. And in the past, I would say a uh, year, it's been e-commerce. So, <clears throat> and a lot of that time has been with email marketing, doing stuff for Kettle on Fire, Drinkle2, a bunch of uh, you know, small and big businesses in e-commerce. And now I'm actually trying to pivot a little bit into uh, ad buying and the creative side of, of that stuff. Awesome, right. awesome. So sidebar, <laughs> do you know any magic? I do, I do. I was really, <laughs> like before, but the reason why I reached out to him was because during that time or even like years before like in middle school i was really really into magic like card tricks and stuff like like that was my my thing um like literally like in the middle of class whenever you know the teacher's not teaching and you're just like hey you want to see something cool and it's like <laughs> boom, and it's like oh okay so yeah that was, that was that's why i, I reached out to a street magician because I, I love magic the david blaine stuff so yeah. <laughs> unreal unreal so you've been doing like more e-com research recently um, like what kind of industries are you working with? Like mainly like, um, like food and like beverage and stuff like that. Yeah. I, it's mostly been food and beverage. Um, and it just, it just turned out to be that way. It's not because I really, I mean, I like food and beverage cause the original idea was like, Hey, well, cause in the, in the direct response space, the way people normally get into e-commerce is through supplements and through consumables. And so I was like, well, I guess if, if it works for supplements, it's got to work for the other types of businesses, right? It's going to be the most, uh, a direct response friendly and it just so happens that the first client i had was kettle on fire and obviously the way it just the way it works out because you have a case study in the food and beverage industry the only other people who want to say yes to you are people in the food and beverage industry even though you can do stuff for other people but that's just how it works and so that's how uh it's it's mostly uh, been fair so, enough i know kev you you work for or you do work for a e-commerce um coffee business so like maybe you'll have some insight to this as well but like with everything that's going on nowadays like have you seen a drastic change in like consumer habits from doing this in the food and beverage industry on in within e-commerce uh yeah just a little i mean some businesses business just it kind of depends uh but in others it's like as long as the messaging they, they switch up the messaging then they're usually pretty much okay um like if you're uh, yeah. for example like kettle on fire their product is it's uh shelf stable so for them it's going to be a lot easier than mm -hmm. some other types of food and stuff that they're not shelf stable or uh it's they're like you know it's not like you know a you know survival food you know mm -hmm. so in that case it's going to be a little bit harder so yeah 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 like in terms of like also for that coffee client like i've seen in the last like month um, for Google, we've had to like seriously kind of pivot and turn towards like the stay at home, be like your own barista at home kind of stuff. And like that kind of languaging and copywriting has really seen it like drastically take off on Google. I don't know if that's people panic buying 
but like part and parcel, right? I love that positioning. Like you be at, you're on at home thing. Like that's really, I've never thought of that. I think that's really that's good. Fun. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I think I saw it somewhere else and I can't claim it to be honest, but like, Hey, take it and run with it. Right. Yeah. Claim it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Small victory. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, so like in terms of like email marketing, do you have any like general flows that you use in sequences? Like, um, I don't know, like the first kind of warm up of an audience and like, how do you go about that kind of process? Yeah. So honestly, it's, it's all the good thing about email marketing is that it's super simple. Um, especially when it comes, when you compare it to advertising and stuff, like all you got to do is just send people through the customer journey. Um, and there's, it's kind of hard to screw that up, honestly. Uh, so for me, the way I think about it, when it comes to just in, just in general, like the customer acquisition process is when someone signs up to, to the, to the email list first, how did they get there? Right. What did they sign up to? Did they sign up to a discount? Did they sign up to a, a book, an ebook or something? Did they sign up to a gift card or something else? Mm-hmm. And then you, with that, you just send them through the customer journey of starting with, uh, answering the biggest objections first. Like, what do you do? Why, who, who are you for? Why are you different? And then you just keep going from there just with new offers and then content to get them to, to do the stuff you want them to, to understand about your brand and just to um, not necessarily like sell, but motivate them to actually say, Hey, uh, you know, you're going to do, you're, you're going to do this kind of stuff anyways. So might as well buy our stuff. You know, that you're going to do this recipe. Exactly. So like, like, uh, like, yeah, like say if it was a coffee thing, it's like, okay, um, well, say you say for some reason there's a tip. I don't know. I'm just making this up right now. But say some reason there's a tip where you should drink coffee in the morning. Well, if you're going to drink coffee every morning, you know, take our, our stuff. Yeah. So, why not? Yeah, fair enough. Okay. So you find that like unique positioning and then persuade them about the brand and kind of ease them in through that way? Yeah, basically um, the way I like, the way I, I focus more on, uh, I'm a huge proponent of messaging. So I'm not, even though my background is in a lot of indirect response copywriting, I'm, I don't consider myself like a, like a, like a wordsmith or anything, but I'm really huge into positioning. So I do not like to do anything, for example, if I do not know how the product and the brand is completely different from everyone else. You're the only, you're the first, you are, you know, the highest rated, you are whatever. Um, and then from there is just a lot of it's just like, Hey, you just repeat that over and over and over again in just different angles and stuff. So as long, because uh, most of the time, most people don't even know what you do. And even you say all the time, you just realize, you know, all of a sudden you get a customer email or someone, you know, emailing you and say, Hey, why should I buy your stuff or something like that? And there's like, bro, I spent all these times writing these emails telling uh, yeah. you and you still don't understand. Like, but that's just how it is. So you just got to say it like in a million times in a million different ways. So yeah, <laughs> essentially you're repackaging it, right? How many, how many, like in email marketing, and this is something that I've always, I've always struggled with and wondered how many email is too many email. Like I have some people, I have some that I've just signed up for their list. Like I'm just, I'm just curious about marketing in general. So I'll just sign up for some people's lists just to see what they send me. And I'll like either read it. Sometimes it just sits unread. It all just goes into one folder and it, I just go through it sometimes. But some guys hit me like, every single day with an email and I don't know if that's I read their email more than anybody else so like maybe that's effective but like I can also see how that's super annoying to be getting email every day 
So like, is there a sweet spot that you focus on or that like you have that you tend to send to people? Sure. Yeah. Um, I would say the sweet spot is anywhere from two to four emails. Um, they're not all uh, email blasts, you know, to the whole list. Uh, by the time you get to email number three or four, they're usually segmented. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I would say the sweet spot is two to four. I am a big proponent of, of high frequency emailing. Um, all the big brands do it and they yeah. do it for a reason. Um, it just works. Um, it just so happens that when you are selling, uh, when you're a direct consumer brand, for example, you just don't have like the massive catalog that uh, Macy's has, right? Or yeah. you don't, and you're selling, or for example, a coffee, well, there's only like, what, three or five different types of actual SKUs of coffee you can actually, can, you can actually sell. So yeah. because of that, you don't want to do daily because at that point you're not, you know, yeah. there's only but, so much to say and only so much they care about. So yeah, so I would say two to four. Like someone like Wayfair who, who emails me like maybe even twice a day. Um, but they are emailing, um, like this is about couches. This is about frames. This is about lighting. This is about chairs. This is about dining room tables. Like they've got so many that they can hit me about. Dude, speaking of Wayfair, I bought a golf net off it like just before the podcast started. So like <laughs> weird timing. Oh, you're going to get absolutely blasted with email. <laughs> something for Wayfair. I look forward to it now though. Now I'll be looking forward to the sequence, seeing how it goes and the <laughs> high frequency, right? We'll see what happens. And the retargeting comboed in too is amazing. Anytime DPA. Yep. I click something in an email. I'm being hit with that exact same thing in ads for the next three days. For sure. Like, for sure. Product, not even just category. Like it's, it's, I'm looking at a carpet. It's showing me that exact same carpet for the next three days in a row. I'm staring at that thing on every single <laughs> uh, I guess you know that cause you just like moved into the apartment. So like you've just been struggling with all those retargeting ads. I was doing furniture shopping. So yeah, I'm getting hit with it. Like great. <laughs> awesome. All right. So Dan, you're speaking of like getting people to open your emails and all that, like what kind of, um, angles do you use in your subject lines? Are you going like curiosity driven, controversial? Are you doing like education based? Like how do you get people to open your email and kind of go from there? Cause that's probably people's biggest struggle right there. Yeah. So when I, when I was first transitioning into e-commerce emails, because my background was in direct response and letter info marketing, I thought it was sort of the same. It was curiosity and stuff, but turns out it's not uh, it's, it's not really true. It's, it's basically, just, it's a lot simpler. Just tell people exactly what you're going to do is very uh, straightforward, straightforward. What is the actual value you're going to send them? Whether that's a discount, whether that's content, like you tell them exactly straight up. So in, in terms of like angles, in terms of that way, it's, it's, there's nothing more to it. It's, it's, that, it's literally that simple. Um, the only other types of angles I would try is, the obvious stuff like if it's valentine's you do something valentine's -y and stuff like that so that that's pretty much the extent of it it's not too crazy when it comes to email subject lines the reason why people focus so much of it of it is because they think it's going to increase sub, uh, open rates and it sort of does but what's most important is that uh the overall email experience so that when people see the name who's sending the email that's what's going to actually going to get them to uh at least pay attention and and to, to the email itself so building that kind of brand value up will eventually get those emails opened, right? Yeah. Well, I would say that's, it's 50, 50. Cause you can't, a lot, it, obviously yeah, I like the whole idea. Yeah. It's 
ownership, it's your job to, to make them to open. But at the same time, if the person there just doesn't care about the topic at the time, there's literally nothing else you can do. Yeah, so, timing's everything, I guess. Yeah. Do you, exactly. do you find that something like adding emojis or adding numbers or like a dot, 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 like is there any little hidden thing that you found that like always boosts up open rate? Uh, no, I don't, I don't do any of that kind of stuff. Um, some people find it useful. Uh, I personally don't. Um, I, at the same time, I haven't really tested it that much because mm-hmm. I'm, again, I'm a firm, very firm believer of messaging and uh, my whole you know, thing is, what are you actually saying? And the emoji doesn't fix anything and it doesn't really boost anything that's, you know, significantly or anything that's worthwhile doing it all the time as an actual strategy. So, um, so for me as the person doing it for other clients, I have to worry about multiple clients at a a time. If it's it's not going to make a a difference or or at least not a big difference. So forget about it. Just worry about the actual uh, message you're trying to send. Okay. Um, so yeah, like we, we sorry to cut you off. We see so much talk about like, try this, try this, try this. I was actually just having a conversation with someone the other day that changed their from name. So their the old from name was, uh, it was the company name and they changed it to like Adam from client magnet rather than like sending it from client magnet. And it, and it boosted it up. But they were, they were asking me like, do you know, like, is this, is this better? Is this worse? Should I be adding something else in that from name? And I kind of just said, like, my answer is always just test it. Like, go ahead and test it. See, change the name, see if it works better or if it doesn't work better. But um, I think the advice of like stick to actual good content in that email um, is the, is the best advice I've heard from it. Yeah. In terms of what you were saying, I do believe the from name is usually better. Um, because it also affects the content you're writing because if you it's a lot I think it's just a lot easier and just overall better to write the actual content of the email within a as a first person rather than saying you know you sign off the emails like you know the customer service team you know it's like you yeah know, you put yourself as the actual founder. yeah yeah so and, and it's also a lot easier when you just when you just say the words I did this you did this and that kind of stuff so first person so um yeah so in terms of like uh, email composition, like how long is your average email? Do you like suggest people go for those long ass emails or, or do you like those short, concise to the point? This is what I'm talking about, not wasting your time. It's completely situational um, for me. So first it's, it's a category you're in. So in, in, in food and beverage, it's usually going to be for me uh, longer than if it was something like apparel. And the reason for that is because, uh, what do you need? To, what does the customer need to know to actually make a buying decision? If it's apparel, all they really need to know is how does it look like, and mm-hmm. what does it fit me, and maybe I guess you know if it has a special fabric or something. But you can explain that in like a paragraph, at most. But if it's food and beverage, if you're selling uh, like the coffee, for example, if I just look at your packaging, I'm literally just not, I'm not going to know what why I should buy it. So I need a more more of an explanation for that. And, um, and, and yeah, that's pretty much my biggest thing when it comes to uh, stuff like that. There is some storytelling component, um, especially if it's in like a, you know, like, like Valentine's, like a holiday type of thing. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it's completely situational. Uh, for, so for me, I end up doing more long form because I am more on food and beverage. Uh, and in some cases I go really long form, especially for example, like in a welcome sequence, 
I like to dedicate an entire email, usually the first or very or second email to the to the brand story or like the the origin story. And so those emails are really really long. Uh, I, I don't even know how many words, but I would say something close to like 300, 400 words, or 500. They're really long, and then others are just going to be completely, uh, you know, a lot a lot shorter. So again, it goes back to also the awareness stages of awareness. If someone's earlier, more unaware of your product and your brand, they're longer. As people go deeper into the funnel, they get shorter. So kind of like a launch, you know. Uh, by by the time you get to like say Valentine's Day, by the time people get to the last email of the Valentine's Day, you don't have to send anything other than hey, you yeah, know, ends in time. five hours. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. I I really like that. Like the key takeaway there was um, uh, earlier in the funnel, longer, get them to kind of have that awareness aspect and build the brand, and then later shorter because you're just trying to get them taking action. I like that. That's a good takeaway for our listeners as well. Um, another thing that I want for our listeners to get a takeaway of is if you were to build an email list of engaged buyers within 30 days, A, what kind of traffic sources would you use to lead gen? And B, how would you kind of nurture it? Like you kind of answered it, but I just kind of want to hear it in this. Okay. Um, well, list building, it's going to be, it is a little bit difficult. Uh, and it's obviously it completely depends on whatever, whatever traffic source you're actually good at for some People's going to be ads. Other people's going to be, you know, influencers and stuff. Ideally, if I were to say in the perfect world, it's it's organic, like your own like your own YouTube channel that ends up being on your list, mm -hmm. uh, because at that point they already consumed your content. They already know who you are. They they like, you know, they know, like, and trust you. And so it's going to be a lot easier to convert those people into actual sales. So in an ideal world, it's going to be uh, or completely organic traffic, uh, especially if it's own traffic, like like I said, like a, like a YouTube channel or something. So that's ideal. And then when it comes, again, when it comes down to actually you know, uh, indoctrinate them into the brand, it's the same idea. Like, like literally the first email, you give them whatever it is you promise them on the lead magnet. And then from there on, it's, it's making sure that they really understand why you're different and why they should like and trust you. So at that point, it's, again, an entire email about the origin story. And their entire, uh, in some cases, an entire email about the founder, if that founder uh, has some credibility towards the, you know, toward, towards a product. For example, my first, one of my first clients was they sold uh, this supplement that helped you with joint pain, essentially. And the founder, well, actually, two, the, the two co-founders were the sons of this guy who was like Bill Clinton's uh, part of his like uh, health team or something. Mm -hmm. And he like solved some like huge crisis that was going to happen in the 90s that didn't happen because he was just damn smart and stuff and he just turned into a supplement or whatever and and so you write a whole, an entire email about that you know because that's that's super important to know so that's the way i think about it and then by the time and that that process usually doesn't take that very long like you know uh if you're if you're still writing that kind of stuff after six emails you you probably spent too much time like i, I would say within the first three emails three maybe four emails you, you can get away with uh, that kind of stuff and usually uh, again it starts out very long it's just shorter because at that point you still the whole point of the story is not just to tell the story the point of the story is to sell the product and so you got to be uh yeah don't go too crazy with it basically <laughs> yeah fair enough fair enough okay um and then do you have any like preferred email tools that you use for like sending out your emails like get response or stuff like that huge plug right there um yeah. but yeah do you have any like preferred tools like that 100 percent, it's clavio 
Um, I don't understand why anyone would use anything else, to be honest. Um, I don't accept anything else from any client. Like, no, it's not going to happen. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah. Did Shopify come out with their built-in email tool yet? I saw talks about it, like, maybe a month ago. I don't know if it's out yet, though. You know, I, I'm not even 100% sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I haven't really looked into that. I didn't even know they were making an email tool built in. Yeah, they're building one directly into Shopify. Better than just their abandoned cart ones or whatever that, uh, whatever it, they have come stock with it now. Oh, damn. I didn't, yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing coming. Uh, but yeah, I don't really have too many more questions, to be honest. I'm down to just kind of shoot the shit. Like, what are you currently seeing in emails? Like, are you seeing like a dip? And like yeah. open rates, yeah. No, so and again, it's dependent on the category um, that the, the person's in it, type of product. So, Fair. but in terms of like like readership, like like engagement and stuff, no. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, I don't really care about that kind of stuff too much. Uh, at the end of the day, it's just it's just sales. No one pays me for. <laughs> for <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sales. For those vanity uh, metrics. Fair enough. Exactly. Yeah. One one thing that I always. Uh, wonder and like when writing emails whenever we've done it from client magnet or even writing ad copy or landing page copy is when speaking from an agency and this might be relevant to other people too if you've got a if it's me sending on client magnets behalf i'm i'm like sending people's emails um to uh promote whatever it is if we come up with a new campaign in that email, I never know if I should write I, me, like this is Adam, the co-founder, or should I be phrasing things like we, like we at client, we spend X amount per year on ads and we are qualified because of X, as opposed to like, I spend this, I am qualified because, you know, it always, it always seems weird to me when I'm putting I in the context of a company, but it's, it's not really me that's doing it. You know, I'd be lying if I said I spent, I spend millions of dollars a year on ads. Maybe the company does. I personally uh, don't, you know what I mean? So it's always strange to me to like put things like that. Yeah. I mean, in that situation, uh, B2B, uh, I would use, I, it's honestly, just, it's, on, it's honestly a combination of both, but primarily uh, using we, because at that point, what you're trying to do is saying, uh, you're trying to sell who's, uh, you know, who's actually doing the work, but you do want to say I from time to time when it's, when it's rather like, like kind of like in a real conversation, like if you're with a friend, you're, you're explaining something to someone else, a third party, sometimes you're going to say I, because it's literally you. And sometimes you're going to say it's we. So yeah. in that situation, it's, it's, I'll just think of it like a regular conversation. Whenever you want to make sure that someone understands that, it, that it's the team doing it because that's who you're hiring. In that case is great. Example. I think Gary Vaynerchuk said one time, like, you know, people think it's him, but, he has to say we a lot of the time because mm -hmm. you're not hiring him when you hire VaynerMedia, you're hiring the team. Yeah. But a lot of the other times he's saying I, because it's him knowing things, you know? So. Yeah. 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 That's a great point. Um, especially when moving, like we're, we're kind of going through that transition of, we don't want it to be just like found very founder focused. Um, the same way as like just any company that grows it, it needs to be the team included as well. Um, to say like, this is what we do where that it's not going to be um, one of the founders in the, in the account doing ads every day, but our team is just as powerful, you yeah. know, like we want to make that, that clear and apparent. Yeah. I would say um, one idea that I'm super interested in 
And I originally learned this for B2B specifically for agencies, but you see it all the time in e-commerce and physical products is that uh, one of the fastest ways, not fastest, but one of the surest ways to make your company famous is to have a famous founder. Um, so it's always, you still have to play the we game, but don't let, if, if you want to be a face anyways, don't let go of the, of the founder uh, yeah. aura because, you know, you have like the Elon Musk's and, and Steve Jobs, you know, you, if you want to be like them, you have to use a lot of personal branding ish stuff. And this is even for, you know, they're, those are massive companies, you know, billion dollars and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, but like for for example, Ket on Fire, they're, I think they're around eight figures and the founder says, I, I mean, we write I <laughs> in his emails, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's the way I, I would think about it when it comes to that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and then in terms of like, when you say you're kind of writing more personable, um, do you recommend that kind of style of writing, even just for general copywriting when you're doing like content um, and stuff like that? Do you find personal, like personal writing styles are better? 100%. Like no one wants to read a textbook, man. So uh, <laughs> you, you just gotta just, just write the way you talk. If you're, and if you're the copywriter or someone writing it for someone else, like it's, it's literally the same thing. There is no difference. I like what, what makes me laugh is kind of like, Oh, uh, we want you to, to, to fit our brand voice. And it's, it's completely dumb ideas. You, you, you do it anyways. Like for me as the, as the guy who sometimes does it for clients, <laughs> it's literally just be just be nice just be friendly and if you can be funny great um but you know just just sound like a regular uh human being um because it comes out it just reads a lot it usually reads a lot nicer and it's usually yeah. less boring and it's it's easier to read uh as well so as long as you as you write in a way that because what people try to do when they when they go the complicated route is that it's like it's the opposite it's, it reads a lot harder Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, just, it's not as straightforward. Uh, and you start, you know, talking in like weird ways and just, it, the thing doesn't make sense anymore. Just, just write like an actual person. Yeah. And and so, and that goes back to something, something you said earlier, whereas like people want brands that they can resonate with, you know, like, and if it's, if it's like a cold company and the from name is a company name and it's, it's, uh, speaking from company perspective and things like that. There's zero personal about that. There's nothing for the end user or the end customer to resonate with on that behalf. Like they don't feel connected to that brand in any sort of way. It's just like exactly. be a, a blast that an email blast that could have gone to anybody. You like to feel like that email came to you. Exactly. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That's actually a very key point. Like that feeling that you give people when they see your email in the inbox is mm -hmm. huge. Yeah. So, and it's easier too. So, <laughs> yeah. So I like looking through people's emails. Sometimes I see them when they're, you know how, when you use an email tool, it formats it, not like a plain text email. It's not like, it's not, it's not like a written email. It's kind of like in a, in a frame. And then there's the little unsubscribe at the bottom. It's like very clearly from an email tool. Yes. Do you think that there's any, uh, value and not ever using those and just always sending plain text like to bring it to that point like i feel like this email was written to me as opposed to just an automation through a tool yeah so i'm a big fan of having one constant like framework that you could repeat over and over and over again 80 percent of the time and then 20 percent of the time 
you do something that's just like out there a little um, fancy so in that case and you get a fancy color or background or something exactly or like, like what you're saying like you're you normally send something that looks like it's coming it's coming from a brand but then one time you know every few times you'll send an email that's completely plain text with no images not it looks like an actual like an actual personal email mm-hmm. that works too like the whole like changing the the from name like uh, uh one cool tactic I, I like is having a consistent from name which is usually the founder but if there's a specific type of uh you know offer that you want to send that that usually doesn't happen but does happen consistently like maybe once every quarter or something like that mm-hmm. you change the front name to someone else and that you know that that will boost up open rates because it's like who's that type of thing so yeah, um, so, but most of the time that's just kind of like you just it is testing but when you when you do that kind of stuff it usually um it just you just see a, a slight increase just because it's completely different and so it just, it, it, it's, it's kind of one thing, like one of my, I mean, I didn't do this too much in e-commerce when I was in information products, I would send these curious types, uh, curious um, subject lines. And then I would, out of the blue, I would, one day I'll just say, hey, that was a subject line. And because of that, those are usually my highest open rates, literally because it was just, hey, and it sounded like coming from someone. So yeah. 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 I remember one of my one of my very first businesses that I started. It was built off of email. Um, I the only way I got customers was through emailing people, and this was before all those spam laws. Like there was no such thing as, as spam laws back then. So I was just like blasting everybody, and I'd be doing the funniest tactics, like putting the R E colon before. <laughs> subject line so it made it look like I was like responding to an email they had sent or something like that like I'd be doing all those and and I'd just be blasting and I remember like when by the time I was shutting down the business is when people started to get serious about those spam emails and it was the big talks about like all the fine in Canada anyways it was it was like seven eight years ago of like now we're finding you $500,000 for spam emails, things like that. People started to take it seriously. And I'm like, Oh geez, I've, I've built my business off of this. How <laughs> like I'm screwed, but it worked out. Yeah. I'd always try those or forward. I do the forward one too. After we do <laughs> those are so uh, coming from direct response space at like literally everyone would do that. And it's just so like cliche. Like I'd say, I know what you're doing, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's an old school move, though. I can't imagine many people doing that nowadays, are they? And uh, I would say in like the, like the expert businesses, like people sell online courses, they still do that all the time. So, yeah. um, but e-commerce, you never actually see that. That's super rare in e-commerce, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, something I just actually thought of, like, would you ever recommend like kind of like uh, kind of grabbing like a dictaphone and just speaking out what an email would be and then just writing based off that email. Would that be like something that's super applicable people could do? Um, I mean, I guess it depends. If you like talking. It. Oh yeah. Fair, fair. No. Yeah. I, I personally wouldn't one because I suck at talking honestly compared to, to uh, writing <laughs> in terms of like, uh, you know, organizing thoughts. Cause mm-hmm. when I talk, I lose, I lose myself pretty easily, but you as long as you as you know the format that you're supposed to talk in then i think it's okay um okay. because uh that's the thing that's what, what and that's what you know the craft of copywriting really is is just really understanding uh, first of all what are you saying and then say it in the format that people uh will understand which is basically how 
a thought process? How do people think about what, what are people thinking as they learn as they're learning about your product? And so as long as you understand that, then you know you could do whatever way you want as long as the words end up there in the right way, you know? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, because I was just thinking I'm like, well, that'd be like make it so much more conversational, I guess. Cause like the when I type something, I'm the type of person that like overcomplicates the shit out of it. But when I'm writing or speaking, it's just like, all right, how how can I make this as dumb as possible? Because common sense is not common. How can I make this laid out flat for somebody? Uh, that would but be no, a yeah. Good experiment for ad copy too. It's yeah. like clean down writing ad copy, just like take five minutes and just say say what you want to say in the ad and then just translate it over. Like yes. that'd be a cool test to run and just see how that see how that copy performs. I think we'll be doing that. I think that's gonna happen. <laughs> I'm gonna have to grab one of those uh, dictaphones. I'm gonna be like Lewis Lit in suits. <laughs> <laughs> daily journaling with your dictaphone. <laughs> Yeah. I need an assistant. I need an assistant. I'm just going to talk shit about an assistant. <laughs> I think, I, I think a, a, a really cool way, and I know pe- some people, um, if you're not a copywriter, it's usually you're like, bro, what is this format that he's talking about? Um, I think a really cool way just to learn without getting too nerdy is just to uh, go to like the Harmon Brothers website or something and just look at those long form, longer form uh, ads that they do like squatty potty and fiber fakes and stuff like that and just pay someone to do a transcript of it and literally just read that thing every day and you know within a few days you'll learn the format like like it's the back of your hand and all of a sudden you can write pretty much anything um to to you know to sell something hmm. so is that's there, a quick sorry go ahead is there a tool that you use like when we when we're looking up ads and we want to get inspiration for ads we'll go creep on people's ads in like the facebook ad library for is there a place to go creep on people's emails? Like, is there? Yeah, there's a couple. Um, I don't use them very much, but I think one is called reallygoodemails.com. Um, pretty sure. And I, I think there's maybe one or two more. I just don't really, I don't really remember them. Yeah. Um, I don't really use it because at this point, I mean, I've been at this for 10 years, so I kind of understand it. And I usually, uh, what I do is I, I do it the more passive way, which is, you know, subscribe to a couple emails, to a couple newsletters, and then, you know, from time to time you, you, you open one, it's like, Oh, that's cool. Let me try that. And that's the way I usually do it. Um, but you want to be more proactive about it. Then yeah, I think really good emails.com is one. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. actually really cool. Yeah, Typically we'll I do that same way. That's why I'll subscribe to people that sell the exact same thing I do. And just, I'll just see what they're saying, what they're wording. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so do you guys have any like final questions for Danavir? Well, mainly Adam, do you have final questions? And then Danavir, after that, um, you can shamelessly plug anything you're doing right now or want to plug by all means. Uh, but yeah, Adam, do you have any, any final questions? No, it was cool having a conversation. I appreciate this. These are always fun. I'm going to go check out that, uh, I'm going to go check out that site, but I think like the main thing that I took away from this is be, um, how focus on the content more. I think we get caught up in like testing subject lines and trying this and trying that and doing everything is whereas like the main focus should be on the content of that email. Yeah. Um, more so away from the tactic and more lean into like the, the messaging and the content. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just understand your, your customer worry about the psychology and that's literally like 80, 90% of it. Um, and then from there is just wrapping that idea, that message you have into, into some type of angle that sounds cool. 
essentially. That's pretty much what everything is like, like just do it and think different and stuff. They're, those are not novel ideas. They're pretty, you know, they're, they're standard, understandable. People say it all the time. They just mm. put it in a way that's, that's, that's cool essentially. So, um, so yeah, but in terms of what I can pitch, uh, yeah, I actually have my own podcast. I haven't actually posted in a while, but plan to restart it a little bit called scale your store. Um, we talk about, you know, how to, you know, how other brands have you know, grown their business from zero to seven figures or eight figures. And other than that, uh, my agency, uh, slicedicemedia.com, where we do uh, email marketing, but also we're doing, uh, we're getting started with uh, Facebook ad creative. Um, so, you know, like those social ads that you guys do, as if you're a media buyer, you know, you're talking about like those value proposition ads, mm-hmm. uh, PR ads, and all that kind of stuff, because those things um, work together, right? Without email, it's going to be very hard to afford good customers. And without, without the Facebook ads and stuff, you're not getting anyone to your email list. Fair, yeah. so. Fair enough. We really appreciate having you on. Uh, we'll probably try to have you on again. If you, if you'd like, let us come on. Uh, it, it's been great to have you talk about email marketing because we are mainly focused on media buying, but email marketing is such a, a huge backend process that media buyers need to be aware of and copywriting is just hand in hand with, with media buying. So uh, we really appreciate having you on. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. Podcast brought to you by client magnet co <laughs> hit us up. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much everything guys. I'm going to end the recording right here. Thank you so much for coming on fellas. Thank you. Thanks for having me.